it is always a privilege to come back to Brooklyn. I appreciate the need bulletins. Whoever does the work does excellent work. I appreciate the flowers. I saw them coming in on the side doors. Beautiful. And Penny showed me downstairs the progress you are making. Compliment to those who lead out and do. Brooklyn is making progress. I'm so happy. We had a high Sabbath last Sabbath at the Hungarian church. My younger granddaughter was baptized. I had the privilege of baptizing her. And then the two Filinovich girls, probably you remember them, and Nick Hoyder's daughter. So four girls were baptized. I baptized only my granddaughter. But it was a privilege. Now, I have a burden today. My burden is to speak the truth. It's a heavy burden, a heavy burden. And uh, I will say something that I said before. I will repeat myself. But Luther encourages me because Luther says, you should preach the gospel every day. And they ask him, every day? Why every day? Because you forget it every day. So we have to preach it every day. So the truth that I'm going to share, you may have heard, you may not have heard in this context. In a time of universal deceit, and we live in a time like that, I will illustrate universal deceit. In the time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. That's George Orwell. When exposing a crime is treated as committing a crime. Listen to this carefully. Very important. When exposing a crime is treated as committing a crime, you are being ruled by criminals. It's a heavy charge, but it is true. It is true. You have heard the name WikiLeaks. Anybody heard the name WikiLeaks? Julian Assange. Uh, I hope you listen to the news, brethren. I highly recommend. I, I'm interested in the news because it tells me how prophecy is being fulfilled. Now, Julian Assange. <clears throat> is an Australian who was born in 1971 in Queensland. 
In 206, he founded WikiLeaks. But the last seven years, the last seven years, he spent in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, hiding. Now, I said it before, I repeat it. I don't want to use the pulpit for political campaign, okay? So when I cite a secular history, I cite it only for illustration. <clears throat> but my main burden is speaking the truth as it is in Jesus. Now, you remember that Julian Assange was arrested April 11, this year, April 11. And I don't know, he might die accidentally. Uh, have you heard the name Jeffrey Epstein? <clears throat> Some commentators say his death is like the death of JFK, a Kennedy president who was president and assassinated. Really, nobody knows the facts. It's still a big question mark. Or knocking down the two twin towers, the World Trade Center. Who caused it? Who caused it? I have a paper here. <clears throat> Just to illustrate, I, I have lots of material here to back up my sermon, all right? To back up my sermon. New York area fire commissioners call for a new 9-11 investigation because of pre-planted explosives. Are you with me? Are, are you listening? Do you know? That's a very serious matter. Lying on the highest political level. But brethren, my burden, I could cite many other things, but my burden this time, Not so much the political lying, but the theological lying. You know, <clears throat> the first lie was in the garden, and it cost Adam and Eve had to leave the garden. That was a theological lie, correct? When the levels of ending, the devil says, you will not die. No, no, no. You will not die. Not surely die. But may I say the last lie will be theological lie that will keep us from re-entering the garden. 
the new Jerusalem, which will contain the garden. A very serious matter, brethren, very serious matter. <clears throat> of course, nobody lies in the church, nobody lies in the conference, nobody lies in the union, the division. No, no. Everybody is a saint. <clears throat> I am not naming names. I have no burden to name names. My burden is to encourage everybody to speak the truth because it is a salvation issue. It is a salvation issue. Matthew 24, 4 and 5. You have your Bible, you can turn or just listen to me. Matthew 24. Let's turn to it. Okay. This is a famous chapter that Jesus spoke about the end of the world. Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And if you are not careful, he will deceive you and me. Verse 11, same chapter, Matthew 24, verse 11. Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. Many. And of course, 24. 24. For false Christs, false prophets will arise, show great signs and wonders, so as to deceive if possible even the elect. I believe we belong to the elect, brethren. I believe it with all my heart. But we are not immune to deception. We can be deceived. And my concern is not so much the political lie, also the Vietnam War. The Arab Springs. I could go down the line. Lie after lie after lie. They said the Iraqi president had mass destructive weapons. But when they knocked him out, they found none. They found none, brethren. It's oil and money and control. War is one of the biggest business. But let me not go down that route because somebody else can do a better job than myself. I like to illustrate this in the life of Jesus. And I cannot, 
I cannot emphasize enough that the best book on the life of Jesus is Desire of Ages. If you really want to get into details that nowhere else, brethren, nowhere else can you read and trust. Not only read, but trust. It is Desire of Ages. Now, in the garden, you remember what Judas said, those whom he was leading. It was dark. They had no flashlight. They had some burning torches, but didn't give enough light. And in the dark, they could not distinguish Jesus from his disciples. So Judas says, whomever I kiss, He is the one. He went to Jesus. Now you have to read this in Desire of Ages, brethren. Kissed him several times. Several times. Not once. Several times. Greeting rabbis. Jesus asked him a question. Friend. Why? Have you come? Why have you come? Now please remember just a few hours earlier. At the Last Supper, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, correct? And he told them, one of you will betray me. And everybody asked, who is it, Lord? Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? And Jesus says, to whomever I give that little piece of meal, it is he. But this Arabi just tells us that in the confusion, the attention, Judas did not hear that response from Jesus. Are you with me? So the disciples knew. Now, when it came to foot washing, you have to read the story. But I will just barely touch on it. When Jesus bowed down to wash the feet of Judas, the Holy Spirit convicted this man. Judas, this is the time to confess. See, he already had a contract. He already had a contract to betray him. But the Holy Spirit says, Judas, this is the time to confess and turn back. And he almost did. You have to read in these ways. But when he refused the ultimate plea of the Holy Spirit, another spirit took over. And you have to read in Desiree's again how his thinking has changed. Because brethren, if not the Holy Spirit, then a fallen spirit will control our thinking. It's still the same. There is no neutral ground. 
we are under the influence of God's spirit or under the influence of evil spirits, not yet permanently, but there is a point in everybody's life when we pass a point of no return. That's a very serious point. You go back to patriots and prophets, you read the story of Saul, the first king of Israel. Do you know when he passed the point of no return? Inspiration tells us, you, again, you have to go to the spirit of prophecy. There is no other book that you can trust, implicitly trust. Patriots and prophet tells us that Saul could have repented, but when he chose to go to the witch of Endor, he passed the point of no return. Now, brethren, it's a serious matter. I had a very polite, courteous, kind Hungarian friend who used to attend. I met him in the Hungarian church. He's about my age, so he's not a teenager. And he used to attend the Hungarian Presbyterian church on Puritas Road, if you know where that is. But he left the church and uh, joined the spiritualist group where they gather together. There is a medium and the medium asks whom would you like me to summon? Your mother, grandmother, brother, whoever died, you know, we can summon. It's a seance. You heard that expression. So he says, I mean, in the most kind way, Igor, come over. Just come once. Just come once and see it for yourself. Now, brethren, with my knowledge, because I know that who is that spirit that comes? It's not my grandfather. It's not your grandfather or brother who passed away. It's a fallen angel, correct? My conviction that if I did attend a seance, I would pass the point of no return for me. You follow me? So it's a very serious matter. <clears throat> Let's come back to Judas. Jesus was washing his feet. First, the Spirit brought the conviction. Confess it here and now. But he refused. And another spirit took control of his thoughts. And what were his thoughts? Now, if, if Jesus humbles himself like this, he can't possibly be the Messiah. We expect a Messiah to rule supremely, 
Everybody will bow down before him. It's just impossible. He is not the Messiah. I am making a good deal. Are you following me, brethren? Now, I tell you, nobody reads a heart. You don't read it. I don't read it. But when the spirit of prophecy tells us these were his thoughts, you can trust the description, correct? I say a loud amen, brethren, so that the fence will speed up twice. We need more fresh air. So I turned it down. I said, no, I'm not going to your worship service. And don't you ever accept an invitation to such thing. Don't you ever accept. But let's go back to Judas. Not so much Judas, because Jesus says, Judas, do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Now, brethren, there is so much to learn so much to learn from these events. Didn't Jesus give plenty of evidence that he was reading the thoughts of his enemies? Like an open book. Of course he read Judas too. But this man has forgotten it. He has forgotten it. Because another spirit took control of him. And he no longer believed that Jesus can be deceived. No. <clears throat> Jesus stands before Pilate. Uh, turn with me to John 18. John 18. <clears throat> Verse 33, John 18, 33. Then Pilate entered the praetorium, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Verse 34, and Jesus answered, Are you speaking for yourself of this? Or did others tell you this about me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Now listen to verse 36, extremely important. And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servant would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And verse 37, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus says, You rightly say I am a king. For this cause I was born, 
For this cause I came into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Very important statement. Very important statement. Many, many years later, the beloved disciple, John, in his first epistle, let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. Repeats the same. Very important. Very important. 1 John chapter 4. And if you have a pen, underline it. Underline it. 1 John 4 verse 6. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Very important text. Uh, We have a short prayer meeting Friday night in the Hungarian church and Topic came up about the Holy Spirit. And one visitor, not a church member, a visitor, but very dear lady, says, but how do I know if this is the right spirit or is this the wrong spirit? How do I know? How I distinguish the truth from the false? Now, brethren, is it as Serious question. May I say, it's also a salvation issue. The apostle says, prove the spirits. For many false spirits have come out. So how do I distinguish the true from the false? Brethren, always by the word. Always by the word. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isaiah 8.20. Brethren, we have to test the spirit by the truth of the Bible. Pilate said it publicly three times. Three times, I find no fault in him. The Jews were at a real scary point. Because what will happen if Pilate will let Jesus go? What will happen? They were at panic. And they said, we have a law. And according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. You remember the story. I'm not telling you anything new. I'm just refreshing your memory. And when Pilate heard this, he was the more afraid. 
the scripture says. He did not want to execute Jesus. In fact, in the beginning of the gospel story, if you read it carefully, the trial story, the scripture says that Pilate was convicted that there was jealousy and envy and hatred. Jesus did not deserve to die, but there was envy and jealousy. But what was the response of the Jewish elite? If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Now, brethren, when theology and politics mix, it is a very dangerous mix. I repeat, when theology and politics mix, Lord have mercy on us that we don't get involved in the wrong side. You know, just a short time ago, I'm citing again something. It's it's a political issue, but it is also a theological issue. Uh, President Trump phoned Prime Minister Netanyahu. You know who he is. And uh, President Trump asked him not to grant entering visa to two Democrats running for the presidency. And Netanyahu granted Trump's request. Denied these two representatives Democrats as far out on the left as possible. <laughs> oh, Lord. I don't know. This dem- I hope I am not offending any Democrats here. I don't want to offend any one of you. But uh, when religion and politics mix, brethren, We are in hot water. When they will unite church and state, and we are moving in that direction, you know that. When they finally will, our freedom will diminish us rapidly. So, the Pharisees said, if you let this man go, you are not a friend of Caesar. Because whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. But Jesus explained that his kingdom is not from this world. You remember in that critical hour, his dear wife sent him a message. God still uses wives. 
and we husbands sometimes are a little bit reluctant to accept advice from our wives. I know you are exempt. You are exemption. I am the one who has that problem. I don't have that problem anymore either, because I don't have a wife anymore. <clears throat> but brethren, the Lord does use wives. The Lord sent a dream to her, and she sent a message immediately to Pilate to have nothing to do with this just man. Now, can you imagine a heathen woman calling Jesus a just man and trying to save her husband? And he made an effort. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Now, you think I can preach better now? <laughs> Let's hope so. But... Uh, Thank you so much. The pilot knew the truth. But he didn't want, he didn't want to lose his job, correct? Because he, he knew that if he let Jesus go, Go, the Jews will go to Rome and accuse him at Caesar's. So he had to choose. Violating his own conscience, he delivered him to be crucified. Brethren, may I say this again? It is not enough to know the truth. I know many truths that I shouldn't make a public confession here because you will hold it against me, that old pastors. But I know a truth better than I do. I have to confess. I need to repent. It's not the question whether I know it, the question whether I love it. Whether I love it. What is the first and great commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And then the next one, you love your neighbor as yourself. But Pilate violated his own conscience because it would have cost him his job. Now, if you read history, if you read history, you have to go to secular history. You don't find it in the New Testament. Well, you find it in the Spirit of Prophecy, and you find it in the book of Josephus, Flavius, and other Jewish historians. Pilate lost his job, and he committed suicide just like Judas. The prominent politician could not cope 
with his own accusing conscience. And may I say, brethren, may I say, unless we accept the gospel, unless we accept the sacrifice of Christ, that's the only way we can cope with a bad conscience because the blood of Christ cleanses us from all unfilthiness. If I don't accept that sacrifice, there is no remedy. And my conscience will torture me like it tortured Judas. And if you read the great controversy, the last ch- chapters, when after the millennium, now I, I, I like to preach another sermon in September when I come back. I will have to dwell on that a little bit, but Turn with me to Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. This is an old Adventist text. You have read it, but uh, I just refresh your memory. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 9, 10, and 11. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, and here underline the next portion, underline the next one, because, why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. The Roman soldiers reported the resurrection of Jesus. Pilate demanded that they come and give him a first-hand report. Are you with me again? You have to go to Spirit of Prophecy to read it. Pilate demanded that the soldiers, 100 guard, tell the story of the resurrection. A recited word for word, how the angel came, how they rolled down as dead men, couldn't do a thing. They couldn't do a thing. The brave Roman soldiers could not guard the grave. And they heard the confirmation of Jesus' divinity, too. That's a salvation issue, brethren. I hope you have no problem with it. It's so elementary, so basic, but it is so essential to our salvation. There was no time when Jesus was not. Are you with me? There was no time when Jesus was not. He's not a created being. He's co-eternal. 
with the father. So the soldiers reported to Pilate. And the soldiers reported to the high priest. The high priest demanded, uh, let them come. Inspiration tells us from that day on, Pilate had no peace. No peace. He did not doubt the reports of the soldiers, but no reconciliation. Because there is one reconciliation, brethren, the one who hangs on the cross and risen and ascended to the throne of God. That's the only reconciliation for you, for me, even for Ron Moore, also he is a first elder. No exception, weren't you understood. What did the high priest do? Oh, we don't want this news to go out. They took holy money. I don't know how holy money was from the church treasury. You remember when Judas brought back his fee and threw it out in front of everybody, the high priest says, we cannot put it in the treasury because this is God's money. You know the story, correct? We cannot put it back. But can they take from the treasury holy money and apply it to a lie? The greatest theological, one of the greatest theological lies. And the scripture says, Ever since, the news went out and spread among the Jews that the disciples came and stole his body. Ah, so much to say, but I have to go to Tennessee this afternoon. I have to take my granddaughter, Carly, to Southern Adventist College. Now, on the first Sabbath in September, I will be back and I will finish the sermon. But let me, let me finish with a quote, brethren. <clears throat> this is book entitled Education. I bought it in 1961 when I was a student at Atlantic Union College. That's 58 years ago. But I treasured this book. This is one of the Spirit of Prophecy books. I treasure all the Spirit of Prophecy books. Oh. Page 57. If you write it down, it's extremely important. Page 57. <clears throat> the greatest want of the world is the want of men. Men who will not be bought or sold. Like the Roman soldiers. Or senators in Washington, D.C., or governors. Men who will not be bought or sold. 
men who in their inmost souls are true and honest, men who do not fear to call sin by its right name, men whose conscience is as true to duty as a needle to the pole. Just as a little interest, you know that the magnetic pole is moving towards Siberia. But the needle will go with it, brethren. So, but just little interest. So, <clears throat> men who are, whose conscience is as true to duty as a needle to the pole, men who will stand for the right so that heaven falls. I'm done, but I tell you what I left out. so that you will come back on September 7th. In granite or ingrained? I didn't say a word about this book. In granite, you know, when the Lord wrote the Ten Commandments, he wrote it with his finger on stones. Granite. But the essence of the new commandment that he writes it in your heart and my heart. So the question, a big question mark, in granite or ingrained? Ingrained. It's a salvation issue, brother. Salvation issue. Old covenant, new covenant. Old covenant, new covenant. And the return of the letter rain, 500 pages, just the introduction worth $1,000. I would say the book should sell for $10,000. I got it free at the Michigan camp meeting. They were distributing it at the Michigan camp meeting. <coughs> Thank you again. Forgive me for keeping you so long. But it's always a pleasure to be with you, and I hope you found it beneficial to listen an old gentleman who speaks with a strong Hungarian accent murdering the W's and the THs. Thank you. <laughs>